0: Welcome to Neighborly, Ulysses Complex, House Number 3, Little Street. Everyone knows that nobody lives in number three. Nobody's lived there for years, since the very beginning of Little Street, since the houses first settled in and pulled together to make a real neighborhood. I can hear you wondering, but what's so interesting about a house if nobody lives there? What's the point? You're just blathering on about nothing. First of all, that's very close-minded of you, and secondly, I am not blathering on about nothing. I'm blathering on about nobody. There's a difference. Oh, and thirdly, it's interesting because of all the things that nobody does and all the people nobody knows. So, as always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please keep them to yourself. Like I said, nobody has lived on Little Treat since it was first thought. So nobody has kept track of all the ways the street has shifted and changed. All the renovations, the moves, the new builds and the old foibles people put off fixing that are finally crumbling into problems. I say nobody has kept track. This isn't strictly accurate. It's less that nobody is keeping track, and more that he keeps information that is approximate and anecdotal at best. Still, if you can be bothered to listen carefully for, say, a few hours, to the stories that nobody tells, You could learn a lot about this place. Nobody remembers how Little Street came to be Little Street. I can only hope that nobody has forgotten why. But the beginning of Little Street is not what I want to talk to you about today. Today is the day for nobody to shine. Nobody doesn't get nearly as much attention as he deserves, so today I'm going to tell you all about him. A day in the life, as it were. In the morning nobody gets up early it's important to have a routine but honestly it's a little excessive nobody wants to see the sunrise every day nobody pulls the sheets back and stretches in the dusty dawn enjoying the tug of sagging flesh and skin the gentle crack of joint and bone nobody dresses carefully smoothing out every wrinkle before arranging each item with care The vest, the shirt, the waistcoat, the trousers neatly falling over the socks. Nobody usually does not bother to look into the mirror by the stairs as he descends into the kitchen. Nobody knows that they look exactly as they wish to look, which is to say, immaculate. Nobody gets breakfast and watches the dawn turn from red to pink to violet to blue and listens to the birds pretend to wake. Nobody sips their orange juice as he fries an egg, just the one, with a side of beans and toast. Nobody thinks this is a good breakfast. It's cost-efficient, if nothing else. And while nobody can afford nicer things, they are used to this morning ritual. Nobody leaves the last inch of their orange juice on the windowsill next to the cake crumbs nobody left the night before. Nobody is sure that they'll be gone by the time he comes home again. There are many things on Little Street that are grateful for these gifts, and it costs nobody nothing to give them. With breakfast over, the day begins in earnest. On this terribly earnest day, nobody's preparing for their weekly visit to their friend at number 15. I'll introduce you eventually, I'm sure it will be a pleasure. They're very... well, like I say, you'll meet them later. There is nothing I can say to you now that would be worth remembering later, so suffice to say that they are as old as nobody, and each finds comfort in the other. That is not to say that nobody has no small frustrations with them. Nobody has discovered that number fifteen rarely has the same phone number twice. Even no phone at all, on some occasions. Nobody has been known to get quite agitated if he cannot call ahead to confirm that unexpected circumstances will not render having nobody around to be more of a nuisance than a delight. It's technically unnecessary. Nobody likes to bring afternoon tea to sweeten the deal, and he simply cannot refuse the local baker Kira's creations. It would be unthinkable. Nobody firmly believes in the importance of manners, so today he picks the phone off the wall and dials their last known number. Ah, yes. See, I mentioned that nobody is a creature of habit. Not all of these habits serve a purpose. People simply collect them. Things like patting a roast with a knife before you serve it to the plate, or adjusting a mirror in the bathroom back to the exact same spot it started when you shave. Nobody likes to run a finger across his ear, from tip to tragus, and then tap. It is always just before nobody picks up the phone, and it is always three taps. Perhaps this habit began by scratching an itch or checking to make sure nobody still had ears. It doesn't matter. It's an irrational grievance. I'm sorry, I better keep hold of myself. Moving on. Anyway, the phone rings only twice this time, and so begins a rather tedious game of cat and mouse. The script for each call goes roughly like this. Somebody picks up a phone. Nobody speaks. The call ends. Somebody's lover or mother or brother asks who it was. Somebody tell them that it was nobody. Meanwhile, nobody tries another number. Today, it takes nobody another five goes to get through to the right wrong number. Hello? Says the voice at the other end of the phone. Uh, hello, says nobody. Wrong number, I suppose. I was looking for number 15. Never mind. "'Oh, this is Kathy from number four, says the voice, a woman. She sounds like tea and honey, grounded and sturdy and soothing. It is almost soothing enough to stop the shiver that runs down nobody's arms as they talk. You know the type, someone walking over your grave, disturbing what is with what might be. It's a familiar prickle to nobody.' They have felt it a few times this morning, that itching to sidestep into the back alleys of the universe to accommodate those who knew that nobody lives at number three. Nobody knows that she can't hear the words that nobody has said, and that nobody will say, but nobody is polite. Always so polite, and so he says them nonetheless. I see. Little Roshni's wife, of course. I heard she was back. Charmed, I'm sure. I'm sorry to have bothered you. Have a nice day now. Then nobody goes to hang up. Nobody knows that Kathy knows that nobody lives at number three, can feel the polyphony of their discordant truth rattling their bones. Nobody is used to it. The phone is already halfway to the wall when the woman responds. It's a simple response, born of kindness and a can-do attitude. She offers to look up the number. The phone book was just delivered this morning, and isn't it odd for a single street to have its own directory, let alone one that's quite so thick, and sorry, what was his name again? Ah, my apologies, nobody says. I live at number three, we're neighbours. I'm sorry, honey, I hadn't realised. Ro told me that nobody lived next door. Hmm, yes, that sounds right, nobody said absently. There is a tautness to this interaction, like Kathy is a hook and nobody is roving, being spun into something real. Nobody thinks to themselves that this is precisely why he has a routine. Nobody knows that Little Street has a bad habit of having opinions about people. Nobody prefers not to be played with by the powers that be. It is easier to escape Little Street's notice if every day looks the same, but Little Street is fickle and it likes its newest resident and her lovely wife. It seems today will not follow the usual pattern after all, because Cathy is tutting gently, and nobody can hear the smile in her voice as she says, Oh, come now, Mr. Nobody. Everyone's somebody, whether people like it or not. And Little Street listens. Poor Nobody. This will be a shock. Nobody doesn't get to reply because Kathy is distracted with the elation of a task completed and within a few moments the phone is on the wall and a slip of paper with a number scrawled in thick looping characters is in his hand. Nobody's ears ring. Nobody's lungs feel fuller. The constant scratch of unbeing has eased as well and nobody is left alone with a subtle weight nobody has never felt. Nobody forgets to call number 15. In fact, nobody is outside number 3 before they know what's happening. A group of salamanders have begun to scale the wall to reach the bounty that nobody always leaves out for them. There are birds too. They caw disdainfully at the salamanders. Nobody thinks they might be laughing at them. Unable to simply fly to the windowsill as the birds do. Nobody isn't sure if the birds are here simply to gloat or because the birds on Little Street have an interest in nobody's business. Whatever the reason, they are here, and there's more of them than usual. Nobody tips his flat cap to a magpie that is staring at him with a shrewd sort of surprise. It squawks indignantly. It seems that nobody was not supposed to acknowledge its gaze. Nobody looks away and continues down the garden path to Little Street and beyond. The walk to the strip of stores that serve the neighborhood is short, and often empty. Nobody finds it empty again today. Nobody likes the solitude. It seems somehow appropriate. After all, the farther from Little Street proper he becomes, the more frequently nobody encounters those who do not know him. Nobody finds strangers difficult. Nobody struggles to turn strangers into friends. Strangers don't see nobody. Nobody is used to being unseen. Nobody even likes being unseen. It is routine, and routine is good. The baker, Kira, has never met nobody despite the fact that nobody visits her shop every week. Kira is a busy woman, and she has many customers, and she is used to the little idiosyncrasies of Little Street. Kira does not question that once a week she will look over the counter to see that two of her finest creations have been pilfered and in their place lies a turret of coins. Sometimes the store is busy. This is what Kira tells herself to explain that she has never seen this mysterious customer. The stack of copper and silver and gold always adds up to a little tip on top of whatever value she may have given her delicacies. And the manner in which the coins are arranged from largest to smallest feels so precise and polite. And there are so many mysteries on Little Street that it seems pointless to try to trace their origins, and yet Kira sometimes wonders anyway. Nobody tries to infuse their payment with the care and gratitude that they cannot express. Nobody hopes that this ritual is as precious to Kira as it is to them. Nobody enjoys the subtlety of their relationship, the ties that bind them so fine as to be invisible to the mortal eye. Invisible, that is, until today. Because in the quiet of a late Tuesday morning, nobody enters the bakery and is startled to discover that Kira looks up at the sound of the bell. This is odd. Because while the bell always rings for him, it rarely rings for Kira to hear. It is even more odd for her to smile and nod at nobody. Nobody is thrown by this courtesy, mostly because nobody has never experienced it from her before. Nobody hovers by the door, barely moving. In this instance, nobody has become like a rodent, a small, soft thing pinned by the gaze of a predator. Not that Kira looks like much of a predator, with a smudge of icing sugar against her brown cheek and her blouse dotted with autumn leaves no bigger than a pinky nail. Funny how people can surprise you, isn't it? As nobody stands shriveling inside like wool washed too hot in the soap of their shock, the baker says, Hi, how can I help you? Isn't she a perfect host? It takes a moment for nobody to return her greeting with a tip of his hat, but tip his hat he does and makes his way to the counter. Now, nobody is not against the thought of a new friend, that's not it at all. I fear I'm making nobody sound antisocial, anxious, and absent of feeling for their fellows, and that simply isn't true. Nobody loves everyone on Little Street, and all the funny places it bumps against. Nobody loves them very much. Nobody simply wasn't expecting to be in a position where the folks on Little Street might grow to love him back today. He's taking this really rather well, all things considered. Here, he's talking again. I'd like... Well, what do you know? I'm stumped. I'm sorry, it's been a strange day. Any recommendations? And Kira nods with a grin and says something about shoe pastry versus donuts, and do you like coconut and how it looks like it might rain? What a shame, you don't seem to have an umbrella. Will you be all right getting home? And nobody shuffles, a little awkward in the face of such overwhelming hospitality, and promises that he's got home just fine every week he's come here and a flash of something crosses Kira's face. It's barely there, a passing suspicion. Nobody catches it. Nobody's face feels a little hot as he realizes the awkwardness he's created. If nobody came into Kira's bakery at the same time every week, she would surely expect to know about it. Of course, she does know about it. The real question is whether she listens to the connection whispering in her head. After all, it is Tuesday. Kira simply looks at the displays and tells Nobody that the specials today include a coconut chocolate cake sold by this slice, and that if that doesn't take their fancy, then there's a new flavour of macaron that she's been experimenting with. Nobody relaxes. I'll take the cake, thank you. Two slices, please, says Nobody, and Kira obliges. She chatters absently as she goes, gleaming steel slipping through smooth ganache like fish through a stream and then fingers folding up a small cardboard box into being, and then nestling paper inside to form a bed upon which the cake is set. It is a tender ritual, and nobody finds themselves touched. Nobody has seen Kira set to this task many times, but not for him. It is nice, nobody thinks. Personable. Nobody thinks that perhaps the strangeness of this moment would give way to something fonder given time, Nobody is content, of course. Nobody has always been content. Nobody has never yearned for something different. But now that different is here, nobody finds that it is surprisingly pleasant. Ah, it seems like the croissants are done. Kira better go quick before they burn. She knows this too, and nobody is smart enough to know that it's time for this moment of new connection to end and says, Off you go now. I promise I won't stiff you on the bill. So she goes. It's probably terribly naive, after all, she's never met the smiling old-timer with his charming flat cap. He could have easily walked out without paying. You and I might know that nobody would never do that, because that would be rude, and nobody isn't rude, but Kira isn't listening. She doesn't know that. And you wouldn't know that either if I weren't generous enough to share. Aren't I nice? I'm sure you can guess what happens next. Nobody likes to do things in a particular way. Nobody has their habits, their routines. They like to keep things orderly, so when Kira comes back, an apology falling from her lips, she finds her sorries fall not upon ears, but upon two neatly stacked piles of coins. Further down the road, nobody whistles as they walk. It is starting to drizzle. Still, nobody will be home soon enough, and nobody will hang his hat on the wall and shake the rain out of his close-cropped curls. Then nobody will call his friend at number 15 and ask if they would like to come to his house today. It may take a few days or perhaps a few weeks, but eventually nobody will go back to being nobody. Their fibres unraveled back into a state that holds all that they are and all that they could be in tandem. Everyone knows that nobody lives at number 3. And everyone sees what everyone knows to be true. A Little Street truly is a fickle thing. Every Tuesday morning, nobody will walk to the bakery and share a smile with the woman who works there. How terribly neighborly. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 international license. Today's house was written by A.L. Withington and edited by Matthew O.K. Smith, with music by Alex Schwartz and art by Cloudy Apple Art. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend. Because they might tell a friend. And they might tell a friend. And who knows? Eventually, God might finally listen to us. Today's junk mail comes from the funeral home three streets over. The envelope is embossed with a stamp that reads, We kill because we care. Best to throw that one in the recycling bin unread, I think. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.
1: This is routine update log number six for Dr. Edison Tucker concerning my research into the town of Jerusalem, Oregon, and the existence of the supernatural, paranormal, mythological, and etc, etc, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Since arriving, I've definitely encountered some stuff that could be classified under weird ass. The other day, I found what looked like claw marks in the vegetable patch wiring, and nobody in town will talk to me about the picnic area near Lincoln's farm. Although, that could be because everybody thinks I'm one of those monster-hunting idiots. Which I'm not, okay? I am an experienced professional who takes my work extremely seriously, and I am going to prove this if it's the last thing I ever- about keeping samples in the fridge! Ugh. Although, to be honest, I think the biggest mystery on my hands is how I'm gonna survive living with Lucille Kensington, stuck-up extraordinaire. So, if you guys don't hear from me again, it wasn't something in the woods that got me. Probably. Where the Stars Fell. Streaming now wherever podcasts are found.